0: Plus.
1: This is the Patriot Dell Wilkes, coming to you from Columbia, South Carolina, in the United States of America, and you're watching Stu's Wrestling Podcast.
2: You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer.
1: Welcome to episode 52 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast, and my guest today is none other than Joel Redmond, I and mean, you would have remembered him as Oliver Gray in NXT. Joel was an inaugural NXT Tag Team Champion with Neville Pack, as we know him today, so I get to speak to him about that at length and his experiences in NXT. The good and the bad of it, the pressure, But it was a lot of good as well. So you get a good balanced argument about his time
2: there.
1: He's been on the UK scene for many, many years doing the camps with All-Star and the Brian Dixon. He's been booked many, many times for that. And has quite the work schedule. In 2019, he finally made it to All Japan Pro Wrestling. And he had bookings going into this year, pre-COVID. So we get to talk about that too. So without further ado, this is episode 52 with Joel Redmond, aka Oliver Gray, when he was in WWE. Enjoy. Right, it's my honour and privilege to have on Stu's Wrestling Podcast today, Mr. Joel Redmond, and you would also have known him in WWE, in NXT specifically, as Oliver Gray. How's it going, Joel?
2: Yeah, not bad. Yeah, pretty good. Nice to be back in the, in the gym properly and training and stuff. So, yeah, it was good. Cool.
1: How's lockdown been for you generally?
2: It's been okay. I mean, I, I work in a gym normally, so I just took some kit into the shed and uh, <clears throat> did some home workouts. Um, it's allowed me to spend some more time with my fiance and things. which has been really nice and uh, sort of be a bit more normal for a while before the manic schedule resumed at some point. Uh, and yes, it's been good. It's been good to rest the body a bit as well.
1: Cool. That's cool, man. Right, I'm going to get into when did you first start watching
2: pro wrestling? So my first uh, pro wrestling, I didn't watch it as a kid on TV. I lived on a very uh, remote farm in Devon. So we didn't have any Sky TV and the the TV signal was terrible. Uh, And I was always outside. I'm a farm boy. So I was out in the woods building little forts or, you know, messing around with my dad on the farm. So I never watched any wrestling. Uh, My friends were wrestling fans at school and they dragged me along to a show in Exeter, the Wrestling Alliance from Scott Conway Shows. So my first experience was watching it live. Um, and I remember Chad Collier being there, I had a signed picture from Chad Collier, uh, and I remember seeing James Mason on the show, um, and it, that was my first introduction to professional wrestling, and I'd done judo as a kid, so I'd already done a lot of grappling, so I, I was interested in that kind of stuff anyway, but, you know, even with James, even now, to this day, still captivates me with his performances, and I'm sure at a young age, I just watched James and thought, this is what I want to do, and then from there, I started watching American Wrestling.
1: Who did you gravitate to, Joel? Which guy stood out for you once you got into it, watching it?
2: Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit was just uh, for me was just the best. You know, uh, obviously it's tarnished by what happens uh, later in his life, but from a young age, just for me watching him, I think maybe that's from the judo backgrounds because I'd, I'd come from a you yeah. know a legit a legit sort of grappling form. Someone like Benoit and Guerrero, and Malenko and Finley, Regal. These kind of wrestlers, to me, just, it, it looked real. I couldn't tell it wasn't real. Some of the were wrestlers, you could just sort of tell it was a bit mm-hmm. pantomime. But with those guys, it was like, this is, this is real. Or Kurt Angle as well. Big Kurt Angle fan I started watching wrestling.
1: Which, which guys did you watch who you felt maybe could have been propelled higher at the card, but maybe didn't get there when you were watching around that time?
2: Yeah, well, Dean Malenka, I think, would be a great example. Uh, maybe he lacked the personality, but then, Maybe he didn't, you know, his character was the Iceman, and, and that was his gimmick, you know, like just because it wasn't loud and he didn't raise his eyebrow doesn't I mean he wasn't charismatic. And technically, he's just unreal, you know, watched some of his matches in WCW with Benoit and just incredible stuff that he could do. So, him maybe, I do else, so put on the spot there. Any of those sort of wrestlers, I mean, even people like Finlay, I think Finley could have been a world champion. Same with I think Real could be a world champion. It never were, you
1: know.
2: I don't know. Just to progress on to that, did any, any events
1: on the calendar stick out for you?
2: In terms of American wrestling? Yeah,
1: yeah. And maybe even if you want to go a bit broader, um, you know, European, UK.
2: I mean, as a kid, I only sort of watched American wrestling. So I, yeah. I guess things like Benoit well, winning the belt or well, winning the Rumble obviously would have stood out to me, being a fan of his. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. I think one of my first shows i ever watched was the Rumble um, Triple H Cactus Jack. I think that was one of the first matches. So that, you know, that's on the hardcore match they did at the Rumble in 2000. So that was obviously stood out, I guess. So I remember that.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Right, going to scoot forward a bit more now. When did
2: training begin for you? Hmm... I think I was 15 or something, and I heard about a school opening up in Exeter. I mean, we were already sort of backyarding in my friend's hay barns and hay bales and messing around on mattresses. And then I heard about a professional school opening up, and then the guy pulled out last minute. So I was 15, I contacted the company and said, uh, you know, can I sort of manage the school, I guess? And uh, I sort of brought down wrestlers to train us. I brought down uh, Phil Powers and Andy Simmons, and these kind of guys would come down and help train us in Exeter. teach us how to wrestle and that's where I met Phil Powers where I went away on the holiday camp circuit when I was 16 Um, not wrestling just putting the ring up and I'd referee the matches or carry the bags around and stuff and just learn little bits from them before the shows and then I started training with a UK kid who was trained by Shaw Michaels and we trained in Portsmouth for a while and then then Mark Sloan and then I've always had different trainers but it's just I never went to one school I didn't go to a school and learn from somebody I kind of had lots of different people inputting advice, but I think it's actually turned out really well because there's loads of different styles that I yeah. was able to be moulded by at an early age.
1: That's cool, man. That's cool. It's cool that you were like doing little bits and pieces, you know, along alongside the alongside the training. When was your first match then?
2: I think it was fifteen years ago in January or sixteen years ago and that was in Exeter um, against a guy called Sammy Ray who had a mask on Professor Aikida. And uh, I'm I was a really out of shape kid. I was a real fat kid. And it, I mean, like a red top with a belly hanging out and it doesn't look good at all and the match was dreadful, but you've got to start somewhere, you know? And it was, I was way not ready to be doing shows at that time, but yeah, it was great. Which promotions were you working for? Obviously, it was all,
1: it was obviously UK based at that point. Which, which places yeah. were you bouncing around, so getting, learning, so the, learning that, the craft?
2: Sorry. That company was uh, Revolution British Wrestling. Um, who aren't around anymore? They are a London-based company, so f- for them a little bit. And then, yeah, on the holiday camp circuit, which was the Haven Holidays at the time, which Bill Powers ran um, the sort of seventeen for Haven Holidays. So I used to do a lot of those shows at an early age to learn. Um, he took me to a few All Star shows maybe you know, a year later. So I started me and Brian. I wasn't full time then All Star. That's only been the last sort of, six years. But I went there and just uh, was, did a few jobs for them and. Yeah, I realized I was out my depth because they're the best shows around. You go there and you realize how good those guys are. And then the UK kid had a company called Varsity Pro Wrestling. It's so a BPW. So I wrestled there and then eventually went on to FWA Academy. And that's when it all sort of started to, uh, to skyrocket, I guess, and moving into different IPWs and FWA when it restarted and all that kind of stuff. And got a bit more of an internet presence then. Who was, who was in um, FWA with you when you were training at the time? Which,
1: which guys were in, in and around with you at that point?
2: Well, this would have been sort of just after the James Ties and the virtuals. It was sort of the next class. So, I mean, obviously Mark Haskins was there, um, which is where we sort of first met each other. Other um, people that were there at the time, I'm sure there's probably a lot of really good ones, but I can't remember. I mean, people like uh, Pat was around at the FWA Academy, then doing shows. He'd come down and do the shows of us. Uh, he was sort of fairly new at the time. I can't really think of anybody else. I don't know who else went on to big careers from that group. Um, Ollie Burns would have been there at the same time. Priscilla, yeah, he would have been wrestling with us. Uh, that's all I can think of, really.
1: Did any matches stand out for you at that through that time frame? Was there any, any matches you can remember? Hmm...
2: Uh, not from those early days nothing stands out particularly um, some matches when I, when I started training with Mark so I did the FWA academy um, again I was way out I shouldn't have been rested. wrestler I wasn't really good enough but I think Mark saw like a work ethic in me uh, even though I wasn't the best wrestler he knew I was a hard worker and he saw something in me and when he closed the academy he started the Super 8 training and he brought me in then he picked 8 wrestlers that he wanted to train full time me and Haskins were two of those guys so we moved in together into a flat and started training with Mark. And uh, that's when I started working for John Freeman, sort of promotions and Danny Werving uh, and, and I sort of really credit John making me the wrestler I am because the matches he gave me there were like Danny Boy Collins, Johnny Kidd, Robbie Brookside, James Mason, Doug Williams, Mal Sanders, Steve Gray. You can name them. It was, it was just the who's who of
1: yeah.
2: British wrestlers. And I was in there as a teenager, just getting schooled by these guys and getting ragged around. But there'd be little bits that I'd pick up each time and uh, if it wasn't for him, you know, I never would have learned some of the stuff that I know, it was being out of your depth and sink or swim, so those matches really turned out to me.
1: That's cool, man. That's cool. Right, I want to fast forward a bit more again. How did the
2: contact
1: with WWE begin, obviously, who, who got in touch with you?
2: Um, so it was like a training, a big group training thing we were doing up in Nottingham once, um, and Drew McDonald was there. Uh, Drew McDonald just said to me, that they'd, they'd heard about me, they'd seen some footage of me and they were really keen to have a look at me and would I, would I go along to a tryout. Um, so I filled in a form online, went to a tryout in Manchester. I didn't perform very well, wasn't, wasn't good enough, but I guess they saw something there and they said, come back to London next time and we'll look at you again. And then in London, just sort of went, it sort of clicked, you know, it was, uh, it was just sort of tag in, tag out, just wrestle and then wanted to see intensity. And at the time I was sort of trying to work on that anyway. and. Yes, we get clicked, and they offer me a contract.
1: Uh, how how was it with uh, with Dusty and on forward forwarding a bit more again? How was it being you know under the learning tree with D- Dusty Rhodes and, and William Regal when you were there when you were over in the US?
2: Oh, yeah, it's amazing. You know, I mean, like I said to you before, I'm a a pure wrestling fan. So I mean, yeah, Dusty Rhodes, brilliant promo, and who no one can teach you promos better than Dusty Rhodes, and just being around him. You know, whilst we were still alive, is something I, I really treasure. I've got, you know, I've only got a couple of pictures of me wrestling in the house, but there is one of me and Pack and Dusty Rhodes in the in the ring with the tape belts, so and that was obviously will always be quite a good memory of mine. Um, I was trained for the first six months by Ricky Steamboat, and that was probably yeah even even cooler really because you know, obviously I watched a lot of his work with Flair and people, and to be around him. and I, I'm a normally a, a blue eye wrestler, and I'm a babyface normally, so there isn't really any better babyface than Ricky Steamboat. So to be have him teach you some of the little tips that he he wanted to pass on to us was, was really cool. Oh, but it was, but it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit surreal, you know. It's sort of, yeah. You kind of get used to it when you're there, but when you actually think about it, it is surreal. Some of the people that were training us. I mean, The Undertaker came down for a week and trained oh. us. And Triple H should be in training us. and Hulk Hogan was training us for a bit. You know, it's crazy to think, but... At the time, you're just in the system, you're just trying to work yeah. to make it onto the road and you, don't, you can't take it for granted almost, but yeah, it was really good. Who else
1: was, um, who else was in there training with you at the, at the same point, in the, early, in the yeah. early days of it?
2: When I first moved, it was FCW, so I was in uh, Tampa. Uh, so Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Wyatt, um, Wire, then all those guys I guess that are on top now would have been there. Um, and then in Orlando, you know, me and Braun Strowman were very good friends for a long time. Uh, he would have been there at the same time. And yeah, tons of guys, you know, you, the FTI, Scott Dawson was there, you know, all, all these sort of guys were, were training with me at the time. Could you
1: ever Sorry, I jumped in then, man. Carry on, but...
2: Well, it's, it's good to see how well they've done, mate. It's good to oh, see man, how well man. everyone's moved on. Yeah, That's man. brilliant.
1: So revolving door in it, like you no know, sooner has someone gone up to the main roster, you've got the next, you've got the next wave of talent coming through, haven't you? It's yeah, yeah. Crazy, it's crazy how, how good everyone is. Crazy. Could yeah. you have foreseen how well Rollins, Reigns, Bray, Strowman were going to yeah. do back then? Could you tell a mile off?
2: Maybe not Strowman. You know, he was a huge, big guy, so you knew that he was going to be something, but he wasn't a natural wrestler. You know, he, he did work incredibly hard and he picked it up really well. He's done great for himself, but you couldn't see to start with, whereas people like Seth Rollins, you knew that and you knew that they saw something in him because they, they wanted to do something with him. Uh, And Roman Reigns just got a presence. It's a bit like, um, a bit like triple H, triple H walked into the room. You haven't got to see him to know he's there. It's like a presence that he gives off. I did a, access at the Royal Rumble in Arizona and me and uh, Pac were in the, in the bleachers somewhere or in the, in the sand and you just knew someone was in the, in the room and you looked down and the rock had walked out the entranceway but you just sort of has this presence even a whole arena, you can just tell there's somebody very special in the, in the room and Roman Reigns have been the same and then Bray Wyatt's promos were just, yeah, you couldn't match them and anyone that can captivate you like that with a promo is going to make some good money
1: He's incredible. I, I'm not. I, t- I tell you what, just seg- segue into him. I I prefer I prefer the old Bray character as opposed to the, the fiend. I'm not. I, oh, yeah. I got I got shot down online last week. A load of Americans. I was like, I just prefer I prefer the original Bray, the promos and stuff like that.
2: But yeah, me too. That's why I saw him develop whilst we were there, and it was it was quite cool to see someone develop into that character. Because when I went there, originally he was a completely different character and then he sort of came up with this idea and it just took off. It was brilliant, you know. Really good.
1: How long was it from training at FCW to the, to the first
2: match? What was the time frame for you over there? Five days. Wow. I think. Yeah, it was really quick. Me and Martin Stein went out there and, uh, you know, we just sort of, we had obviously wrestled for a long time in England. And they put us in the beginner's class and they just realized that we, we had a bit more of a grasp on it and moved us up into a bit more of an advanced class. And then we were put on the sort of live events that weekend, which I don't think, I think it rubbed people up the wrong way a little bit that were there. But it's dog eat dog a bit in that, that place. And, yeah, you know, there was a few people that probably gave us a little cold shoulder and I, I think I got tried to scarf me a bit in the ring and things. But, you know, I've been scarfed by people from 16 years old you know I mean I'm used to that and I don't know what to do when it happens so it was okay but.
1: Jealousy's uh, commonplace in all walks of life isn't it that's just yeah
2: know. especially in wrestling you know wrestling It's you get quite a deal with it the bad way normally that's cool man you started off I remember obviously I remember quite fondly
1: actually because it was only like 2012 you started off as a singles competitor how, how was that Um doing singles initially for NXT for the WWE? Yeah, it was
2: still. Mean, the matches I was in were just, it were just, was a jobber. You know, I'd go in there and get squashed by people. And I remember a lot of, of uh, Marston or some of the boys would be thinking it was a bad thing, you know, and telling me, oh, this is a really bad thing that they see you as this this jobber character. But I didn't see it that way. I just saw it as TV time, you know. Like if they, they're putting me on TV and they're putting me on with these guys that they're trying to make into stars. And if they think that me being in there, that I can sell well enough and I can take their stuff well enough to make them, get over, that's only really a positive. You know, I just see everything as a positive and if you're on TV, that's a good thing. The worst thing you could have been at NXT was sitting in the in the back watching on the screen. You know, you want to be in there having your face on the screen because they might just see something in you and think, oh no, we're going to use this guy properly.
1: Did you enjoy doing the matches at Full sale? Obviously, it's quite, you know, it's a cu- couple of yeah. people. How, how was the atmosphere? You know, being a wrestler, we, we see it through the TV screen but how was it from your Focal
2: and standpoint? Yeah. Well, do you enjoy it? It's just pressure. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's so much pressure because it is WWE and there is a lot of people watching that, that footage and it's on Sky Sports and stuff at the time. So, yeah, it's a lot of pressure on me. And I think you do enjoy it, maybe, maybe afterwards you enjoy it in a way, but I don't know if you enjoy it when you're in the ring because in your head you just think, I don't want to get this wrong. I want this to look good. I want to do well and, that pressure can be quite hard at times.
1: Then, obviously, you began tagging with Neville Pack. Who, who came to you to say you were going to be a tag team? How, how was that all set up?
2: So, it was the tournament was meant to have the ascension in the tournament. Uh, so, Bram or Kenneth Cameron, I think it was at the time, and uh, uh, Connor. And then Bram got released from his contract. So, they needed another team. So, they just sort of threw us together last minute. But they, they wanted to use. Neville you know they wanted to make him a big star and we were just throwing together yeah last minute thing for the tournament and it just clicked you know just worked well we complement each other you know, we are very different styles of wrestlers and that, that fitted quite well as a tag team and uh, we were meant to go out first round I think and things just started changing and before you knew it we, we had the belts so hell, hell of a run of matches that as well wasn't it that you had
1: you, you know oh, yeah. you look at the other guys you are in there with I remember it was Free mb wasn't it and uh, mm-hmm. obviously the Wyatts, that's yeah. hell of a hell of a crop of teams in there for you guys to, to go on and win it, you know, it was, uh, I, bet, I bet it was amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah it was crazy, and, and at the time, physically, I was in the peak of my fitness, and so was, was Neville, you know, we were just, we were, we were kidding it, I and mean, we even on the house shows, we were the top boys, really, because our conditioning was, was right up there, um, but then, obviously, I rested Bray Wyatt on a house show and just tore my ACL, and ripped my knee to pieces and that was the end of it, you know, which was a shame because we were, you know, I had yeah. a phone call from the office there saying we're bringing you up to Raw and what size tracksuit are you and stuff and just sort of think this, cool. this is happening now, we're going we're gonna to go up and I was a couple of weeks away and just blew, my, blew my knee out and I was out for nine months, but it, I, it is what it is, you can't change that, you know. I was going to
1: ask how how long you were actually out for, um, but how, how was rehabilitation of it, Joel, I was at
2: yeah, perfect. I mean, there's no better place to do it. They paid for they flew me off to the best surgeon in America and had the knee done, you know, the most expensive way you could have your knee fixed. And then they rehabbed me every day for, yeah, nine months. So my knee's perfect now. You know, I had a bit of a problem with the Ever Knee in Japan last year, but other than that, my knee at all has been, been perfect. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't tear it in any better situation. If I'd done it in England, it'd be a nightmare waiting for the NHS to fix it and then paying for my own rehab. So, you know, in a way, it's the best place to do that but it was the worst time you know I couldn't have picked the worst time to get injured
1: you came back didn't you for a short time how how long how long were you back with them for until up until the release yeah just looking at that time frame
2: I think we won the tag belts i have probably been there about seven or eight months So then it was another nine months yeah I was probably back for another another nine months maybe after my injury and then I had a first ball sale, so they put me back in and I went over one of the French boys quite quite quick. And for some reason, that footage was never aired. And then, I don't know, things just went downhill from there. I hurt my back a little bit doing a, a match. And I don't know what happened, but it just sort of tumbled down and they, they ended up releasing me.
0: It's that age-old question that we all ponder, is wrestling fixed? This is Bill Apter. And my answer to that is... I didn't know it was broken. So many of you know me from my days back at the classic wrestling magazines, and a lot of you from OneWrestling.com and OneWrestlingVideo.com, but I always get questions about various things I've did through the years to propel my career to where it is today as the world's most recognizable journalist in pro wrestling. What was my relationship with the McMahons? Was I the guy who started that feud between the actor-comedian Andy Kaufman and Jerry the King Lawler. What is Ric Flair really like? Who are my favorites? Well, all this and more answered in my book that you can get online or at your favorite book dealer called Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. It's a great read, got great views, and hopefully you'll be picking it up soon too. So, the answer... Two is wrestling fixed? You know it now. I didn't know it was broken. This is Bill Apter, and I'll see you at the matches.
2: G T G, often imitated but never duplicated. Kind of broad at the shoulder, narrow at the hip. No other promotion give us any lift we the best of the best, the beasts of the east. S O S, simply out of sight. G T G. When
1: he said, "Good times, do to you?" So uh, obviously, upon leaving the States, where, where were you getting booked when you came back over to the UK, Europe, further afield? Yeah, where, where were your bookings?
2: I came back well, I came back and obviously went back to Revolution Pro. Um, did a lot of work for them for a while. Uh, as soon as I got back, Brian Dixon gave me a call and just said, you know, we'd like to get you into All Star, uh, doing the, the Butlins run and we discussed the wage. Uh, and I'd always, as a kid, because I'd gone to those shows, so I wrestled on those shows at a young age, I'd always sort of really aspired to work for All Star that was a big big thing of mine I really want to work for that company full time so I went there yeah, maybe six years ago and i stayed there for the last six years and it's just been the, been the best like I've said to lots of podcasts I come back from America and you kind of think you know you've been trained by these what we perceive as these legends because they're on TV and I went into All Star and I just realised I didn't know anything when I was around Dino and James and Spitfire and Robbie Dynamite just like actually I don't know a thing and these guys are just incredible wrestlers. So just learning from them and improving my stuff.
1: Everyone says about the British style, don't they? Obviously, I've never wrestled, but, you know, fan perspective, it's highly, it's highly regarded, isn't it? The British style, especially oh, abroad, yeah. abroad, especially.
2: Massively. I, I would never have, you know, like I say, Japan or stuff like that. I'd, I'd never be there unless I did the British style. They don't, when I go to Japan, they don't want me to do anything else. They don't want me to go off the top with a moonsault. Then they'll tell me not to and I said, this is not you know if we want that we'll get somebody else if we want a Japanese style we'll just get a Japanese wrestler you're here to do a European style and that's why we're flying you out here you know and put you in the nice hotels because we want you to do this European sort of catch style Uh, and the same in America you know I went to America on the back of technical wrestling it was tag in tag out just do technical wrestling in the ring it wasn't off any flashy moves or crazy gimmicks it was just I knew how to wrestle people and that's why they gave me a contract in America. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of lost a bit in this country and I think we are getting a bit more too much into the gymnastics stuff, which is great. You know, I'm not knocking that at all, but oh, no. you, have to, you have to have that fundamental, really good mat wrestling style and that's what we're famous for in this country and we, sh- we shouldn't forget about it.
1: What would be your tips, Joel, for guys that want, want to start training and get into business? What would be your tips you know, you're know well, you're well-traveled within the industry, so yeah, it'd be cool to hear your thoughts, what, what these kids and young guys and gals want to do. If, you know, what, what, what should they do in your mind?
2: Make connections. It's all about connections, like any business, whether that's wrestling or any, anything in life. It's about making those connections with people, networking, um, and becoming their friends. If you're friends with people, they'll look after you, and they'll look out for you, and they'll get you work. And just getting on shows, And especially in this country, Whilst we've still got the, I mean, obviously not this year because of coronavirus, but when the holiday camp circuit is there, you have to get on this holiday camp. You really can't not get on them because they, you know, in North Wales, you do 10 shows a week. You do six weeks, 10, 60 shows in six weeks. You have to improve. The only way to improve in resting is to, is to do it, is repetitions. It's like the gym, you know, you can't go in the gym for a day and then come out of a good body. It takes years and years and years. It's the same thing, practicing the same thing. It's the same thing with wrestling. It's just doing it again and again and again. Instead, it's second nature. So you can't replicate that. But you just need to get on, on the shows.
1: That's cool, man. That's cool. When I was doing my research, I didn't realise you'd been, you'd been to all Japan. You'd been, you'd been out in Japan, man. How, how, how was that, the culture, you know, wrestling the guys over there, just to maybe extend on, on the Japanese experiences you've had?
2: Yeah, so that was like, well, last year, I started working from last April. Did five tours last year. Um, just, it's the best you know. I, I couldn't imagine anywhere better to wrestle I, uh, I'd happily just wrestle there for the rest of my career and wouldn't worry about going back to America or anything it, it's just absolutely brilliant uh, it's my style you know you you, you can't talk much for the match because I don't speak English a lot of them so it is just get in there and, and just go for it just wrestle each other and that's just perfect for me there's not an emphasis on the characters or the, the promos which I'm terrible at so it's good to be able to just do what I can do which is just to wrestle people and it's an amazing country, the culture, the food, the, the people they are so helpful. And they're so, so good to you when you're there. Yeah, absolutely brilliant.
1: Who have you, you got in, in there with and who have you enjoyed getting in there with? That was going to be my next one.
2: I like wrestling some of the younger guys. There's a guy called Nomura. Um, we click really well. He's got a good rugby background. I've played rugby a long, long time. So I mean, the two of us just mix. You know, we, we really, really fit together. Um, called A He's another young boy who he'll be a big name. He's a very, very good wrestler. Uh, then Miyahara, who was the champion re- up until recently. Again, we we get good stuff in the ring when we get in there. Um, Suwama, uh, a good match with Suwama. Um, a lot of these guys, a lot of these Japanese guys, have got amateur wrestling backgrounds, so they all come from amateur wrestling anyway. So they know how to how to wrestle. So I just find it really easy to work with them. You know, they just know how to move properly and. It's, it's very very easy, and they're just such hard workers. The, the cardio on those guys is insane. You know, they can they blow you up straight away. But it's you've got something in there. you have not got to worry about them keeping up with you. It's more the other way around. So yeah, it's really good. It's a totally different crowd over there, isn't it? The
1: the, the more, yeah, but it's... more observant, aren't they? They're not as like you know. You come to the UK, we're like a pack of rabid animals, aren't we? But I've I've always noticed with the Japanese crowd, the very their attentions on it. It's, it's totally different I'm sure for you wrestling in
2: front of them it's, guys yeah it's good you know like it's uh, like a Japanese crowd still view the wrestlers as these superstars right And there's not really a lot of interaction between the fans and the wrestlers you know you, you can go out and sell your merchandise at the table but it's you know say you lose the match in all Japan they won't let you sell your merchandise you can't go out and sell after you've wrestled and there isn't this sort of like in this country I almost feel like the line's being blurred a little bit that's not always a bad thing but there has to be some kind of mystery and some kind of mystique behind stuff you know and, and I think that in Japan it, the audience and the wrestlers they, they don't mix like they do in this country um, but you know obviously outside of the ring you can all be friends but when you're wrestling there needs to be that divide you know the, the
1: internet as well though, on it <laughs> it is yeah it is the internet man
2: I think my like online reviews are great you know wrestling fan yeah. reviews is great obviously it's a big a big help for a our business but sometimes i think promoters never wrestlers take it a bit too too literally and they really get worked up over bad reviews from people but i'm not knocking the guys that review it oh, they no. can do whatever they want but a lot of the times they haven't actually been in a wrestling ring you know they haven't wrestled they don't know what it's like to wrestle so it's very difficult to to judge it from a technical standpoint you can say if you enjoy something I mean, obviously i can work and watch a film and say i didn't like that film but if i start trying to critique all the acting but well, i'm not a Good actor. so like, how do I know what it's like to do this acting? You know, that's cool, cool.
1: Do you get? I suppose the next one I'm going to ask is I asked this to all the guys, uh, different answers actually. Do, do you catch much of the current product on television now and on, on the internet, or do you kind of veer away from veer away from yeah. what you're immersed in it yourself?
2: I do watch some WWE stuff, I get a bit put off by it sometimes, but that eye for an eye match and stuff is it's not for me it's just getting a bit silly you know I did watch the swamp match with Bray Wyatt and Strowman and I try watching it I put it on and my fiance walked in and she went what is this rubbish you're watching you know and, but it, and I think it is a little bit you know it's not for me I'm not I know they've got to do something I know it's a hard time and the pandemic and everything but there's sort of like insulting intelligence a little bit at times which I think they were doing in that match I watch at AEW I do watch a lot of that because it's on ICV so it's perfect I just watch it in the morning on a Saturday um, there's you know, it's things there that maybe I don't particularly enjoy, but there's some really good stuff there too. Some great wrestling. What's your What's your
1: thoughts on? Obviously, they really they really push the tag division. I know they've got you know they've got to showcase everyone, and they do it a bit different, don't they? Production wise, what are your feelings with the tag division
2: there in AEW, Joel? I just, I think FTR are a different level. I just think they're I think they're unbelievable. There that match with um SDU recently on Dynamite it was absolutely unbelievable match. know yeah, it was so so good. So, I just, I, I almost watch the shows just to watch their match. You know, if I know they're going to be on, I'm so in, intrigued to see what they're going to do with people. Uh, there's some tag matches there that I watch that I don't like. You know, they're doing a bit too much, I think, sometimes. And it's, it's a bit silly, some of the moves they're doing. But I just, I think their FTR is absolutely um, um, unbelievable tag team. They just got, they really understand how to do the job properly. And they're a joy to watch, I think. Mean.
1: So much back and forth as well with them leaving WWE, wasn't there? I, I thought, oh, it's just a storyline, but it, it mm. went it went and happened, didn't it? They they jumped they jumped ship. They obviously weren't happy.
2: Um, yeah, well, it's, it's perfect, right? If I, they did, They did, They just want to be the best, I think. And if they if they can get more opportunities in a different company, they're going to go there. I don't, you know, they just want to show people what tag wrestling should be.
1: That's, that's it, man. That's it. What about in a, in a singles capacity then on AEW? Any guys that stand out for you there you enjoy?
2: NJF's uh, oh yeah, good. You know, I like he's a good villain. Um, Adam Page, good wrestler. I enjoy watching your stuff. And I wanted you to say something. <laughs> yeah, I think he's real good. Uh, obviously, Pat, you know, Pat's like a uh, league of his own. So when he's on those shows, obviously he's not been on for a while. But when he is on those shows, he's just always a standout match to me. He's just a he's a different league to everybody else. And am with That's, you. <laughs> People like Jericho, Chris Jericho, you know, still obviously puts a good match together. So from a wrestling standpoint, you can watch that and, and learn a lot from how he's putting his matches together. That's always pretty good. I think two hours is the perfect time frame. You know,
1: that that, yeah, yeah. that two hour slot is enough. Um, Raw. Role- yeah. I mean, Raw's been going three hours for eight years now, hasn't it? But I think they've got the perfect amount of time there
2: to showcase everyone. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much longer, it just get boring. It's just perfect. Just we when, haven't always got three hours of our time to give up to watch wrestling. You know, like, two hours is just about right. I was going to, I was going to ask.
1: Um, obviously, the world's world's is oyster in terms of MJF. Could you see? Could you see him in WWE in years to come?
2: Oh, that's, I think maybe AEW is going to keep getting stronger once the crowds come back and uh, I don't know I don't know his relationship with the guys there I mean maybe he's, he might be very loyal to that company and just want to see them do well I think uh, hopefully they're going to be really successful because you know if we look back at sort of 97, 98 and how good the wrestling was back then when you had the sort of Monday Night Wars it'd be great to get it back to that sort of level you know, I think WWE is better when they've got competition so that's. Hope that AEW can get even stronger and give them some real competition and make them make them set their game up a little bit.
1: I was gonna ask you, uh, what you just to go back I'm going back over WWE, like I should have kept it in the same compartment, but what what are your thoughts on Alistair Black and how he's been booked
2: recently. I've not seen a lot i am not seen a lot of his stuff. Oh, I must have missed that all that stuff. I, I know him from the independents, so he's a yeah, a real nice guy and a good wrestler. But I've not I've not seen a lot of his stuff. Oh, okay. Right. I, I never. I don't. I don't I only watch pay per views, and I, only sometimes I watch pay per views. You know, I like what Drew's been doing. That's obviously really good for us as European wrestlers to see him being so successful. That's a, a real nice thing. I just wish that there'd been a crowd there at WrestleMania. because you know, it's just a shame we had to win the belt with no audience there. But it's one of those things.
1: How about women's wrestling, Joel? How, how 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 do you find the women and, and what they're doing? Obviously, they're, you know they're on a pedestal, on a higher pedestal these days, and, and rightly so. What what are your thoughts with the rosters in
2: AEW and
1: WWE as it pertains to women?
2: Yeah, I, I don't pay a lot, of, a lot of attention to women's wrestling. To be honest, I still I do watch wrestling, to try and learn stuff from it, to try and to steal something that they're doing. Um, and I just I don't know. Really, I don't really. I never pay much attention to women's wrestling. Uh, but not that I dislike it. I just I just never. Been very invested in it, but it's obviously really good that they're giving them good opportunities and giving them a good platform to, to wrestle. It's excellent.
1: Just obviously pre-COVID, I'm just going to go back to you now. Pre-COVID, did you have a lot of bookings?
2: I did 52 matches pre-COVID, um, and that was all in England. So I didn't didn't get out to Japan in those months. But that, yeah, was two and a half, two and a half months and 52 matches. But then you know I wrestled for All Star in. Uh, I don't wrestle too much. On the internet, I probably did like two matches because most of the shows I do never get any kind of internet publicity. But, you know, I'm, I'm always busy really wrestling. I did quite a lot. And I have all, work, you know, a real job too. So I have to balance both together.
1: How, how is your day-to-day job at the moment with all the, all the constraints and restrictions and things like that? It? How are you finding it?
2: Yeah, well, the gym's starting to reopen now. Um, so mine is next week, so I'll get back into it. Back into the gym, back into some training, some people. Should be really good, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been a challenging time for us all. But there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do about it. So there's no point in complaining. Just got to get on with it and hope it gets back to normal.
1: They're still waiting, just in regards to gyms. Wales is still still not. Yeah, open. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of disgruntled. There's a lot of disgruntled people locally. I know a few lads. They're going absolutely nuts
2: about it. But yeah, there we are. Just what can you do? Yeah, there's nothing you can do. No, there's no point in complaining. You can't change it. You've got to get on with it. You know, I was doing a lot of workouts in the shed here and it's difficult, especially when you've not got any shows. When you've got wrestling shows, you've got something to train for, you just think, oh, okay, I've got this big match coming up in two weeks' time. I'm going to train really hard and get in good shape for this. But without any shows, it's like, Jesus, what, what, what am I doing this for? Because I don't, I don't take my top off in public. I don't, I don't do it to, you know, to pick up girls. or anything. I've always just... Done the gym because of wrestling because I want to be a good wrestler. It's the only reason I go to the gym. So, like, to not have any shows is quite challenging to get motivated. But then I also think, in my opinion, I I spoke to uh, Haskins the other day about this. Give me two seconds. It's all right, mate. It's okay. You've got got this sort of like this time, this gap for the lockdown. And I think a lot of wrestlers are going to slack off from training. They're not going to bother training, and they're going to sort of get behind. So this is my time to jump over them. You know, if you've got this four months where no one's going to the gym, they're not training. Well, if I can still train for four months, I can sort of jump a few people and make some really big improvements. There was a time in uh, NXT where we used to train at John Cena's gym. And then the, the trainer there had a falling out of the office and they stopped training. It hard knock south, and they stopped training there. And there was like three months where we didn't have a gym to go to. We had our own like, LA fitness and stuff. We go and train out, but it wasn't a strength gym. And in that time, there was a lot of people that got out of shape. They just didn't bother. When they weren't told, told to go, they just didn't bother. And I still went to the, the gym regularly. And that sort of helped me get an advantage on a lot of people during that three months.
1: Why, why do people have that mindset when they've got a, you know, a role there? What, yeah, why, yeah. Why, why don't they do it, in your, in, in your opinion, just laziness
2: you know, I started training at 16 in the gym it's, it's what I do I can't I do it also just to feel good it's, it's just my routine it's what I've always done so I couldn't imagine not training but I guess some of them just never really bothered training until they got there and felt they were forced into doing these weight training sessions so for them it was like a nice little break but I don't I don't want to break you know I want to keep training
1: I'm going to close out now I've got like a question personal, like personable to you favorite favorite matches if you 've got any just to, just to close out
2: mm. of mine or of what i 've seen
1: so, yeah, yours and then ones that you saw when you were younger that you know really captivated you
2: of mine would be against that namora in all Japan last year in champion's carnival, um, and then matches that i 've seen. WWE-wise, I think what would be... Some of the Benoit... Oh, Benoit Krangle at the Royal Rumble. That would be the one, probably, that I really remember being my favourite when I was younger. Uh, it was an amazing match. And then now, I watch a lot of British stuff. I, I watch old British wrestling. That's my thing. You know, I really enjoy that. So anything with Steve Wright in it, um, I'm a big Steve Wright fan. Steve Gray as well. I watch a lot of Steve Gray. John Cortez. A lot of these old, old British wrestlers that I really enjoy watching. So, I guess, that, I guess that. But yeah, it's all American wise. It'd be uh, Angle and Benoit from the Rumble. That's a match that really stands out to me. That's
1: cool. I was watching um, off WrestleMania 2000 about a month ago now. It was the freeway, Angle, Jericho, and Benoit. Oh, yeah. The,
2: the two belts.
1: European and the IC. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched it for years. So I said, John, I'm going to pull it. I loved it. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah
0: really
1: good. Very good. Very well done. Right, Joel Redmond, please plug your social media. For the listeners,
2: yep. please, just, just to close out. Twitter is at Joel Redman Pro, uh, and Instagram is j.redman87. Uh, I'm probably the worst person you'll ever find on social media, so don't expect anything interesting. It's just absolutely dreadful. Uh, I need to get better at it. I really need to, but I really struggle with a lot of the pictures and feeling what I do in the daytime. I kind of think that's my own life. but That is you know that is my, my stuff to follow if you want to, but I'm going to apologise now to anyone that doesn't. It's not very interesting. Joel Redmond and you would have known him as Oliver Gray in NXT.
1: Thank you very much. Cheers, man, for coming on. Really appreciate it, the thank time. I know you I know, you're, you I know you're busy. I know you're busy doing stuff, so any time you you can spare just great, great for us and uh, the fans. So cheers man, thank you very much. Cheers. Today's episode is brought to you in association with Powered 4 TV. So go and check them out for anything wrestling-related, old events, new events when we come out of COVID, podcasts, you name it, it's all there at Powered 4 TV. So find them across social media. And a big, big thank you to Richard and John for looking after me too.
0: Chumba.
1: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.